of James that we've been in, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to continue to be in it. I've got, I got next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, preach a sermon on James. Then I'm going to be away for a little bit, and you're going to get to hear from all of the wonderful pastors that we have on staff here for a few weeks. And then I'm, when I come back, I'm going to pick back, I'm going to pick James back up, and we're going to kind of, kind of get all the way through it. Because there's so much wisdom that's in this book. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it just has so much. And I think you've, you've seen that. You know, maybe last week we were talking about our words, our, our mouth, the way we speak to each other. Today we're also going to be talking about something that's really, really practical, really important, something that is right where we all live, and it's about how we relate to people. Because the reality is we encounter every day all sorts of different people, and people are pretty complicated. I have this new favorite saying, I you know, kind of say it all, I, I find that I, there's a lot of reasons to say this, people are complicated, but God is merciful, right? You find that, that like people are pretty complicated. Right? Some people that we're around, they're just a joy to be around. They're just easy to be around. Other people are what you can call um, an EGR. Do you know what an EGR is? Extra grace required. You know, maybe they're, they're not quite so easy to be around. They're a little bit difficult. Some are inspiring. Some are irritating. Some are fascinating. Some are intimidating. And the reality is all of us are all of these things, you know, one time or another. But, but so much of the grief, like, if you stop and you really think about it, so much of the grief that we have in life is because of personality conflicts, is because we're not really great at getting along with people. We don't know how to get along with people. And, and when your relationships are bad, life is bad. I mean, think about it. If you're in conflict with everyone in your life, if you've got, like, a lot of conflict and a lot of challenges, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how good some other things are going on in your life. Your life's going to be pretty miserable. Right? Because we are all relational. We're like wired for relationships. And so today, what James is going to do is he's going to give us some really practical advice about how we can get along better with people. The key verse is James 3.18, where it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so what James is saying here is that every single day in every single relationship, we are sowing seeds. And so we got to think about the seeds that we're sowing. We're either sowing seeds of, you know, maybe anger, maybe hatred, maybe mistrust, maybe, you know, what, all these different negative seeds that we could be sowing. But what we need to learn to do is learn how to sow seeds of peace. Because if we sow seeds of peace in our relationship, what the Bible says is it's going to produce a harvest of righteousness. And so what James says we need is we need wisdom. We need wisdom in the way that we act towards people because, listen, the reality is we can be pretty foolish in the way that we treat people. I, I sometimes, because of my job, I sometimes get called in when relationships break down, when marriages break down, when family problems happen. I sometimes get called in. And I've just noticed through the years that we don't have a ton of common sense, really, in how we treat people. A lot of times, we'll sow these very specific seeds you know, and we'll sow them, and we'll sow them for a long time, and then we'll get upset that the person's reacting the way that they're acting, with, but they're acting like the fruit that's being produced is totally connected to the seeds that we've been sowing, right? We, there's not a lot of common sense. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many advanced degrees you might have. You know what? You can be really smart and not have any wisdom when it comes to relationships. You could have someone who has multiple, you know, doctorates, 
But when it comes to relationships, they have zero wisdom. And you could have somebody you didn't complete eighth grade, and they could be the wisest person that you ever met, right? It doesn't have to do with knowledge. So let's read the passage. I'm going to read it and kind of, what we're going to do is, is I'm going to focus in on, on one part of it, where James, what he does is he lists out heavenly wisdom. And what heavenly wisdom looks like. So this is going to be a little bit of a test for us. We're going to give us kind of an opportunity to think through our life and think about how we're doing. So James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by good deeds and the humility that comes from wisdom. So first thing, right off the bat, it's saying, saying hey, listen, um, you know what? If you're wise, it's going to show up in the way that you live. It's going to show up in your relationships, it's going to show up in your choices, it's going to show up in, in your lifestyle, right? That's where wisdom is going to manifest itself. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let me just stop there for a moment before I read the rest of the passage. So, so what this is saying, I'm not asking for a show of hands because that could get awkward. But how many of you would say, I got conflict in my family? Don't raise your hand because, you know, again, that it's Father's Day. Let's not do that. But uh, I've got conflict in my family. Or, I, boy, there's a lot of conflict in my workplace. Like, nobody at my work, nobody gets along. Or, you know, or you, look, you look at our culture and you look at, you know, it just seems like you know, I mean, polit you know, politicians can't get along with each other, and people don't get along with each other, and you just see, you know, all this animosity and hatred and stuff that's, like, stirred up on social media all the time, and you just realize there's all this conflict and all this darkness that's there. What James is saying is the reason there's conflict, the reason there's darkness, the reason there's disorder is because we've moved away from God's wisdom. So if there's disorder and conflict in your family... It's because your family is not walking out according, living their lives according to God's wisdom. If there's conflict in your workplace, it's because your workplace is not engaging itself or conducting itself according to God's wisdom. Our wider culture is seeing this, and I think it's bad, and I think it's going to get worse. Because we as a culture, we're moving further and further and further away from the wisdom of God. And so what James is saying is that when we do that, there's disorder, there's all sorts of, there's selfish ambition, there's every evil practice, it's, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, it's bad. It's bad and it's getting worse. And then what he does is he says in verse 17, and this is what we're going to really focus on, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, let me just go back, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So, so what we're going to do is walk through the six things that James lists here. We want to try to understand what does it mean for us to display in our lives the wisdom of heaven. And so I would encourage you in your app to open up the notes so you can have these six things kind of, kind of fleshed out. Uh, we don't have the QR codes in the back of the seats anymore, you might have noticed, but we do have this like big placard when you're coming in that you can take out your phone and you can get everything that you need for the Sunday morning service. You can get the announcements. You can get the connection card. You can get the, the fill-in-the-blank notes. And so we're just going to kind of walk through this. This is a little bit of a teaching message because we're just going to kind of go through. But I think this is something that could be really, is something that's really helpful. I think it's something that's really important because we all have conflict. 
And we got to think through, like, what are we bringing to the table? Like, we're, we're, what is our involvement in the conflict that's going on? What is, our, what is going on? We want to be people who sow peace so that there can be a harvest of righteousness. There's a lot of unrighteousness in our world right now. And so what can we do to be people who sow peace that we can produce harvests of righteousness? And so the first thing is a wise person doesn't compromise their integrity. A wise person doesn't compromise their integrity. This is taken from where James says, the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. And so the word pure there, it's actually, it's the same word that's used in 1 John 3, 3 to describe Jesus' character. It means that, that you're uh, uncorrupted, you're authentic. It means that you tell the truth in your life. I think that's a big part of it, is that you're truthful. Like, think about, about your life. Like, do you tell the truth? Do, are you, is it just kind of like what you see is what you get? Or in your life, are you playing games? Are you manipulating? Are you scheming? Because if you're a wise person, there's not going to be deception in your life. If you're a wise person, because think about it. If you deceive, however it is, it might be just straight up lying to people. It might be like, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing these other things on the side that I don't want you to know about. Or I've got this going on. Like if you're living that way, the people in your life, they're on to you. Like they know. You may think they don't know, but they know. And so they don't trust you. And so, like, it's really hard for you to have good relationships because there's no trust. The, the, foundation, the foundation is really messed up. The foundation is corrupted. Proverbs 10.9 says, the man of integrity walks securely. And so if you have wisdom, you have integrity, you have, you have purity. Because you know what? You can sleep at night. Because you don't have to worry about, oh, no, this lie that I've been telling, am I going to be exposed? Listen, some of you, I just know, in a group this big, some of you got some, you got some pretty big lies going on in your life, you know, and maybe people who are watching on the live stream, you've got stuff going on that you don't want people to know. Like, you just like, man, I don't, I don't want this person to talk to this person, and if they see my emails, and if this gets revealed, and if this happens, and if that happens, and, you know, that is exhausting. I can't imagine, like, it must be hard to sleep. Like, you're constantly worrying about, oh, no, what if they see my text? And what about this? And what about that? And, like, what, if you have wisdom, you have integrity. And you don't have to worry about that. It's kind of like, yeah, just live your life. Just kind of go out and live your life because what you see is what you get. And so a wise person doesn't compromise their integrity. A wise person tells the truth. A wise person is ruthlessly honest. Second, a wise person will not antagonize unnecessarily. That's where it's taken from where it says wisdom is peace-loving. So, so what that means, I think that we've gotten to the place in our, in our culture where we take like arguments and fighting, we've raised it to an art form. Right? I mean, we just, we love to fight. You know, we've been kind of trained in that. You think about like talking heads, like on, you know, like on a news channel. Like the way that it always works is like, okay, here's Joe. Joe says the sky is blue. Here's Mike. Mike says the sky is purple. Have at it. Right? So we kind of think like it's, it's always point, counterpoint. And then we go on the internet and it just goes to like the next level. I got to tell you, especially during this last election cycle, when I go on Facebook and I would see some of the, some of the, the comment sections. And I would see some of the arguments, and I would see some of the vitriol, and then I would see that it was Christians who were putting this out there into the world. And I was like, I mean, do you remember this guy Jesus, right? Remember we're supposed to be like Jesus? And I don't, I don't think Jesus was like throwing political like flames. And, you know, I don't think he was doing that. But, but you know what? The wisdom, what the Bible says is, is wisdom does not antagonize unnecessarily. Proverbs 23 says, any fool can start arguments. 
The wise thing is to stay out of them. And so here's, here's the thing, right? So I've, I used to be, I've, maybe I'm a little, little bit still, but by nature, I don't mind a good fight. <laughs> I don't mind a good argument. I used to kind of, you know, have this mindset where like, if you, if you didn't think about something the way that I thought about it, it was my job to kind of convince you otherwise. And so there would be, and you guys were like, wow, this sounds terrible. I'm glad you're not like that anymore. But I was like that for a while. Um, but I think about all the arguments and all the conflicts and things that I was in. The, the, the one thing that they all have in common was me, right? I was present for all of them. And so here's the thing. If there's a lot of conflict in your life, you need to realize that in order for there to be conflict, you need to participate. Right? I mean, if you don't participate, there's not conflict. Now, if somebody might be mad at you, and there's a whole other way to deal with that, but as far as conflict, like, it takes your full involvement for there to be conflict. And so if there's conflict, you've got to stop and you've got to say, what am I bringing to the table? What, what's my role here? What, a, what am I bringing uh, into this situation? And so a wise person is peace-loving. Another one here, I love this one, a wise person will hear you out. A wise person is, is considerate. That's where James, the word James uses is considerate. The definition is of considerate, the way I think that James is talking about it, is it's someone who will consider it, right? That you will, you will consider it. A, com, a considerate person doesn't think that they know everything. A considerate person thinks, I can learn something from everyone that I come in contact with, so you make an attempt to understand. Wisdom is connected to seeking to understand. And so if you're a wise person, what you're going to do is, you know what, I mean, if you're not wise, while the person is telling you what they think, you're formulating your rebuttal, right? That's something that a foolish person does. What a wise person does is says things like, you know what, I never thought about it that way. Or says, I'm not sure I agree with you, but I'm going to think about this for a little while. A wise person says, I'm going to be considerate, and I'm going to consider it. And so we got an example in the early church of what this looks like. Because so people now are so like, everyone's got to be right. And everybody's got to prove their point. And everybody's seeking to kind of like, you know, drop the hammer. It's like a wise person says, I want to hear this other person out. I want to think about their feelings. I want to understand why they feel about this the way that they feel about it. I'm going to lean into that, right? It's like the, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi where he says, he says, Help me to understand rather than be understood, right? That, that's, what, that's what James is talking about. So, so in the early church, you had the situation where, the, where the, the Romans, a lot of the Roman church, they were really poor. They were from the poorer class. And so if, if you sacrificed an animal to an idol, then that meat would be sold at the market at a reduced price. And so a lot of the poor Christians would go and they'd buy their meat on the cheap because they didn't have a lot of money. And so they would eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. And some other Christians said, hey, you can't do that. That's engaging in idolatry. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he clearly didn't think that eating meat sacrificed to an idol was a big deal. Like basically, like, Jesus cleanses all of it. You know, don't, don't worry about it. But here's what he said, though. For someone who has a different opinion, someone who thinks... That, you know what, it's a sin to eat meat sacrificed to idol. He said, we who are strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. In other words, what he's saying is like, listen, I may be right here that it's no big deal, but, but I want to consider, I want to be considerate. 
And I'm going to consider the other person, and I'm going to put them first. And I'm not going to just try to prove to them that they're wrong, and I'm I'm going to really hear them out. In other words, if you're a Christian, if you're wise, you don't get the luxury of saying, I don't care what you think, this is the way it is. Right? Wise people consider. They want to know why someone thinks the way they think. They want to take time to listen. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, give your thoughts a break. You already think them. Right? It will take some time to really listen, to consider. Going along with this, I think a wise person is willing to yield. They're submissive. And I think this really goes along with being considerate. The Greek word is eupathes, and it doesn't mean submissive like the way a dog, like a, a dog is submissive, you know, a submissive dog. It actually means open-minded. It means reasonable. It means you can be persuaded. It means that you're willing to yield when, it's wrong, when you're wrong. And I think the way considerate and submissive work together is that, so let's just say, imagine you and I think, think differently about something, right? And so I come into that, and I can even, like, lo, you know, load this up with, with being peace-loving. So, so I, you know, rather than coming in to fight and coming in to have an argument about it, I come in and I'm like, okay, well, we disagree about this. I really want to understand, like, why. I want to understand why you think the way you think. I don't want to just tell you what I think. I want to hear what you think. I want to know your story. I want to, I want to consider what you have to say. And let's just say that as, as I'm considering what you have to say, it makes sense. And then, so, uh, so a submissive person is reasonable. and is able to be like, huh, you know what? That makes sense. I think that I'm now going to think about this the way you think about it because you've convinced me. Now, just stop for a moment. Imagine how our world would be different if we actually did. Imagine how Washington, D.C. would be different if people actually did this. Imagine how your home would be different if people actually did this. And so what James is saying, a wise person who knows how to get along with people, they're reasonable. They're able to be reasoned with. So let me ask you, are you reasonable? Can people reason with you? Can your children, maybe you've got grown children or teenagers, and, you know, sometimes as parents, as fathers, we we come up with things that maybe aren't right. Can our kids reason with us? And do we stop and do we listen? Can our spouse reason with us? Can our coworkers reason with us? Uh, Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So moving on here. So the next thing is the wise minimize people's mistakes. And so that's taken from the phrase where it says full of mercy. See, I'm just kind of walking us through here because I want us to really think about this and think, how are we doing with this? Are our lives exhibiting heavenly wisdom so that, that we can be sowers of peace? So here's, here's what I think this is saying. Are you the type of person when somebody messes up, when somebody sins against you, when somebody stumbles and falls, how do you treat that person who messed up? Do you just kind of pile on them? Do you make sure that they never forget? Do you have people, maybe they've even, they've asked you for forgiveness. They've said, hey, I'm so sorry, but you keep bringing it up. That you just like, you won't let it go. And so what James is saying here is that a wise person will let it go. And so my question for you, is there something in your life, is there something in regards to a relationship with someone in your life, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe your parents, maybe your brother, maybe your sister, a lot of time these types of things kind of show up, they manifest in those primary relationships because there's so much history and there's so much stuff that can happen and there's so much stuff we can keep bringing up. Is there something that you need to let go of? Like you just, you just need to let it go. 
Like, you need to stop bringing it up. You need to be able to kind of move on from it. You need to be able to give it to Jesus. Because, see, here's the thing. A wise person understands that, that we need to treat people the way God has treated us. Right? And God has extended nothing but mercy to us. And we have messed up, and we have sinned, and we will sin again. But God gives us mercy. James 2, 12 to 13 says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So where do you need to show mercy in your life? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to forget? Where do you need to move on? The last thing is this. The wise are authentic and can admit failures and weaknesses, impartial and insincere, right? Those are the words. The Greek words for impartial and insincere are adiakritos and anipokritos, and it means straightforward and without hypocrisy. Now, what's interesting is that a apokritos uh, was a Greek actor, and so the Greek actor, the way it would work is you would have like maybe three actors in the whole company. But they would play five or six different parts. And the way that they would go transition from one character to another character is they would come out with a different mask on. And so a Picratos was, was an actor who would be behind different masks. And so what James is saying here is that a wise person doesn't hide behind a mask. A wise person is not a hypocrite. Basically, a wise person, what you see is what you get. A wise person isn't really concerned about their image, right? They're not really concerned about how they appear. I mean, I'm saying like you're Slavic. I mean, you're just, you're not worried all the time about what people think about you. You're not pretending to be something that you're not. You're able to just say, hey, here's who I am. Here's what my life's about. Here's what's going on. I'm not playing any games. I don't have a hidden agenda. I don't, I'm not behind a mask. What you see, what you see is what you get. We're not pretending, and I think the way that it can show up in churches sometimes is when people in churches, they put masks on and they pretend to be better than they actually are. I don't want us to be a church like that. I want us to be a church where we don't have to wear any masks. And we could say, listen, we're complicated, right? We're complicated, but God is merciful. We're broken. We're working it out. Jesus had mercy on us. We're sinners that Jesus had mercy on. And I don't have to pretend to be further along than I am. I can just walk in humility. Right? Humility means you're willing to be known for who you are. You don't try to pretend that you're more than you are, and you don't try to pretend that you're less than you are. You're just like, you know, here I am. How great would it be if we could be a church like that? If we could just be a church full of people that we don't have to wear masks, and we can be real with each other, and we can just say, we love Jesus, and we're focused on him, and we accept each other, and we're, we're real with each other, and we don't have to play these kinds of games. And I think it's so important now because we are living in a mass world right now. There's so many mass, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're doing so much relating on social media. You know, because, I mean, think about something that people use on social media all the time now are filters. And what is a filter but a mask, right? We want to present in a different way. We want to kind of say, like, hey, you know what, I do nothing but... Every meal I have is a five-star meal. It's an incredible meal. Here's a picture of it, right? I only go on incredible trips. I only hang out with beautiful people. My life is marvelous, and, and I have no wrinkles. Look at this filter that I have, and my nose is actually like one centimeter big or whatever. But that's not real, right? That's, that's, and I think that what it is is God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. Like if you're worrying about your image, if you're constantly focused on that, you're in bondage. 
constantly worrying, what are people going to think? What, you know what, you can get to a place, someone who's wise just says, you know what, I know that God loves me. And I know that God accepts me. So I don't have to worry about what my image is. I don't have to worry about what this person thinks or that person thinks. I can live in the freedom of just wanting to live my life before God, knowing that I'm living for that audience of one, and I don't have to worry what everyone else is thinking. So I don't have to put the filters on my pictures. I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. I don't have to conceal my sin. I, don't, I can be real and honest about my struggles. Proverbs 28, 13 Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so we want to just be able to be open books. A wise person doesn't have to hide. A wise person doesn't have to deceive. So let me ask you, how are you doing on this wisdom test? How are you doing? How's this showing up in your life? How's your purity? How is your truth telling? Are you someone who, who tells the truth? How are you doing? Are you a peacemaker? Or are you kind of always looking for a fight? When you're, when you're having a disagreement or maybe you're with someone, are you considering, are you considerate of them? Do you consider what they're saying? Are you leaning in to try to understand? Are you reasonable? Are you submissive in the way that, hey, if you're wrong, you can just kind of admit that you're wrong and you can kind of, you know, you can kind of move on and kind of change your thinking and adapt? Are you someone who, who always has to rub people's noses in it? Or can you cover people's sins and say, you know what, God has forgiven me so much, uh, I'm not going to give people what they deserve, I'm going to give people what they need, because that's what God's done for me. Are you someone who lives behind masks, and you're worried about your image, and, and you're trying to pretend that you're something that you're not? How do we grow in this? Because every single one of us, we, we know that we're, we're not there. Right? I mean, we've, we've got further to go. And every single one, all six of them, we've got further to go. But it says this in James chapter, James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding, finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so, I, listen, we need to ask God for wisdom. We need to understand that we don't have the wisdom that we need. You know, that we, we, we ask God to, to give us the wisdom that we need. We have to grow in this. And you know what? There's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge comes from education. But the wisdom that we're talking about, I think it just comes from God. Right? Knowledge comes from reason. Wisdom comes from revelation. Knowledge is something you kind of accumulate. Wisdom is something that you receive. And let me just end with this, because I love this verse. Colossians 2, verses 2 to 3. It says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. One of my favorite sayings, you hear me say it all the time, you know how I've got all my little pithy sayings that I like to say over and over again. If you've been around, you, you, know, you, know, you know some of them. But one of them is Jesus makes life better or makes you better at life. And, and actually, the, the sermon that I gave today, to go along with the one that I gave last week, I think are really good examples of that. Right? Jesus makes life better, makes you better at life. Knowing Jesus is going to, because Jesus is the one who has all the wisdom and understanding. They're, they're in him. 
And so the more you're connected with Jesus, the more his wisdom is going to be flowing in your life. And your life is going to be better. Your relationships are going to be better. And so let me just end with this question. I want you to, you know, think about where it is that you have the most conflict in your life. Like, where's the most kind of conflict kind of manifesting in your life? Maybe it's your primary family. You know, maybe it's like whenever your family gets together, it's just cats and dogs, and it's just fights, and it's just terrible. Maybe it's like every Monday morning you wake up with a knot in the pit of your stomach because you're like, I don't want to go to that job. Or maybe you've been working from home, and now it's like your boss is saying you got to come back, and you're like, but I, but I can't be around those people. They're, they're awful. It's terrible. You know, whatever, maybe, maybe it's your group of friends, wherever it is. Where is their conflict? And I want you to, I want, I want us to all pray in a moment and ask God to give us wisdom. And I want you to really think about, about that place, that relationship where there's conflict. Because remember the first verse that we started off with this is that if we become people who learn how to sow peace, we will produce a harvest of righteousness. And so I think what God wants to do is he wants to do something in us. And maybe part of it is just building faith. I just remember, I, I, it's funny, I'm thinking just how these last week's message and this week's message go together. If you didn't hear last week's message and you're interested, you can find it on our website. But, but I was talking about how our words can transform an environment, you know, can really change the environment, right? We can speak in and we can really change the, the, the culture. And our wisdom can do the same. Right? If we, if we go into those conflicted, difficult relationships, manifesting heavenly wisdom, manifesting God's wisdom, there will, there will be produced fruit of righteousness. There will be, there, a harvest of righteousness will be produced. And so I just want you to ask God to give you the wisdom that you need in your life, that you would, it's all connected to Jesus, right? That you would be closer to Jesus, that his wisdom will manifest in you. So that your life can be about sowing peace that produces a harvest of righteousness. Fathers, that you would have wisdom so that you produce a harvest of righteousness in your children. Mothers, that you would do the same. That spouses, that we would produce that harvest of righteousness to one another. That we would go into our, our workplaces and our schools and our world that is so divided, where there's so much conflict, where there's so much difficulty, and that we would be people of peace that manifest heavenly wisdom, that we would be able to sow seeds of peace so that harvests of righteousness are produced wherever we go. And I just want to encourage your faith, like in you, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, in you is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the seed, is the thing that transforms, is the thing that changes everything. So you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. So may you display the wisdom of heaven. May you speak with the accent of heaven. May you display in your life, the fruit of your life, be the wisdom that God wants to establish in you to his glory. And we don't get it by trying really hard. We get it by asking for it. And we get it by being as connected to Jesus as we can possibly be. Because in him is hidden all the wisdom and not all of it. It's all there. All the wisdom is in him. And he's in our hearts and it'll flow in us and through us to his glory. Let's, let's, uh, let's all stand. And let's pray. God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for your blessing, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your goodness. And Lord God, we ask you right now for wisdom.
God, we ask for heavenly wisdom. Lord, we pray that we would become more like Jesus. Because in him is wisdom all, is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so may, may he just be released in our life. May, may his wisdom flow in our life. And so God, I pray, Lord, that we would produce a harvest of righteousness wherever we go. In our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our broken and alienated world. God, may we be sowers of peace. And so, Lord, we don't have the wisdom that we need, and we ask you for it. In Jesus' name, God, give us wisdom. Lord, may we be pure. May we love peace, God. May we be considerate and open, willing to yield. May we be people who extend mercy because we've received so much mercy. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to live without masks to just be who you've created us to be, that we would live our lives for an audience of one. So come, Holy Spirit. And listen, I just got to do this. I just got to take a moment and do this. If you're here and you have not invited Jesus into your heart, because I hope you're kind of making the connections here, right? You know there's conflict in your life. You know you don't have the wisdom that you need. Jesus has the wisdom. It's all in him. And so when you invite him into your heart, Jesus actually comes and he starts living inside of you. He starts living, he, because he died on the cross so your sins can be forgiven, so like everything's washed, everything's clean, he can come live in your house. He can come live in your heart. And then from that place, he brings with him all the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so from the inside out, he starts transforming your life. So your sins are forgiven, your eternal destiny is secured, you'll know that you'll be in heaven with him for all of eternity, and Jesus will make your life better. He'll make you better at life because he starts changing you from the inside out. I don't know who wouldn't, like, why wouldn't you want that? That's like the best thing. And so I want to give you an opportunity to just invite Jesus in. It's as simple as that. That's all you got to do. If you're ready to do it, whether you're here in the room or whether you're, whether you're out there, um, Lord Jesus, I need you. I ask that you would forgive all of my sins. Come and live inside of my heart. I accept your free gift of salvation. I need all the wisdom and knowledge that you have. And I give you permission to start transforming my life from the inside out. Because from now on, you're my boss. I'm going to follow you. Keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer here, just raise your hand. Just do me a favor, just so I can see. Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. Okay, awesome. See a couple hands. I'm going to ask you to do, I couldn't see all of them, but I'm going to ask you to, to text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188. All right, if you text, if you do that, uh, actually that'll come to me and I'll just send you an email this week and say, hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on? And we can kind of write back and forth a little bit if you want to do that. But we just want to support you and want to encourage you in that decision to follow Jesus, whether you were in the room or whether you were out there. Uh, in, uh, in Facebook Live or YouTube, uh, please go ahead and do that. All right, we're going we're gonna to open up for some prayer ministry. I see that the prayer team, they're already there. They're, they're ready and willing to pray for you. If there's an area where you know you need more of God's wisdom, let somebody pray for you today that God will impart it, that God will give it. If you're dealing with a lot of conflict in certain areas of your life, pray that God will anoint you so that you can be that peacemaker for that harvest of righteousness. Whatever your situation, if Father's Day is hard for you, 
you know, maybe your father's not here. Maybe there's been a loss. Maybe you feel like you've kind of messed up as a father, whatever it is. Uh, maybe you're a single mom and you're like, man, I wish I had a father. You know, my kids had the father to, to lean on. Whatever your needs are, we'd love to pray for you, okay? Uh, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Father's Day. Um, please load up on the Krispy Kreme donuts, all right? And uh, God bless you. Have a great week.